Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road and a brand new year. We're so excited to have you guys join us for this year where we'll be learning more about other women's stories to inspire your story about how you can pursue what's now and what's next for you. And today um, we kick everything off with a conversation with Katie Fogarty of A Certain Age Podcast. You have to listen to this podcast. She's bringing wonderful women who are focusing on the midlife, uh, conversations around midlife on her podcast, and uh, you will not be disappointed. Katie, thank you for joining us. I am so happy to be here, and I'm excited to be kicking off your your latest, greatest podcast with you. I admire the work you're doing, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Thanks, Katie. I appreciate that. So why don't you just tell our listeners who haven't had the pleasure of listening to a certain age yet what it is, what your focus is on that podcast? Thank you. So a certain age is just a it's an ongoing conversation with women who are making the most of midlife. The show comes out every Monday. It features really two categories of guests. And and Netta, you were on the show and you fall into both categories. I feature women who are reinventing in uh, midlife. They are lawyers who became novelists. They are stay-at-home moms who've launched party planning businesses. Or they're experts who help women thrive in midlife. These are doctors that help you care for uh, changes to your body due to menopause, perimenopause. They are fitness instructors, nutritionists, they are pelvic floor therapists. So they are experts on helping us navigate, you know, the midlife potholes that we all hit. And you were on my show because you fall into two camps. You have reinvented your career over the years and and are taking on new creative challenges. And you are helping um, other women figure out how to make the most of this next act. So that's, that's a certain age in a nutshell. It's just a conversation with women who are up to great things. And it's kind of a daily dose of, it's a weekly dose rather of um, inspiration and tools. You said daily dose, even though weekly dose <laughs> is the podcast, but there's yes. w- we can access you and follow you on Instagram. So we can actually have a little bit of Katie on a very regular basis with both your a certain age Instagram, but you have another Instagram that you recently launched, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is something that is really lighting me up in 2023. So I have been recording a certain age podcast for about two years. I just recorded my 118th episode and it's once a week, it's on Mondays, but I could be featuring incredible women in midlife 24 seven. There is no shortage of women up to amazing things. And I really wanted to open up 
a wider conversation. I wanted to allow women to opt in to share their stories. It's not simply for my podcast guests. And so I created a sister account on Instagram called Age Out Loud. This is the tagline of our show. Uh, We really believe that the narrative about ageism and and people's fear about aging is not going to shift until we're willing to all age out loud and and, uh, tell the world, you know, all of our, the years that we have and all of our awesomeness. So for listeners who are thinking, you know, I do want daily inspiration. I am curious about what different midlife reinvention looks like. I, I would encourage you to follow Age Out Loud over on Instagram. You can simply hit the link in the bio to share your own story. I just posted one about a woman who moved from the UK during lockdown to Paris. She has reinvented herself as a menopause coach. She's reinvented where she lives. She is actually the third woman I featured who has packed themselves up and moved themselves to Paris. And I'm telling you, I'm like wondering what I'm still doing on Long yeah. Island. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait awesome. a minute. I, you know, there, there's, there's still more for me to do, receive, sure. and be, which I know is one of your kind of taglines. So yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you did that, that you continued your storytelling platform but you created two different identifiable platforms for people to engage in and with. And I love that people can opt in, that they can tell and share their story because it really is part of your message of aging out loud. I love the like, who's going to make the first move, society or us? And you're saying us. If we do this, if we collectively come together and sort of demand to be seen and heard, then perhaps that shift can begin rather than asking others to make the shift on our behalf. And I love I love that focus of yours. And I love that you're inviting people to do it one by one. Uh, it's brilliant. And I think actually. people, Ned, I think people are doing it because we're recording this the morning after the 2023 Golden Globes and Michelle Yao, who yes. won a Golden Globe for her yes. incredible riveting performance and everything yes. everywhere all at once got up and said, I'm 60. Right. Yeah. And uh, she said that loudly and proudly on that stage. But she also said that, you know, she has learned that as the years add up and become larger and larger, sometimes the opportunities become smaller. Yeah. And I think the fact that she called this out in front of a gigantic television audience and she openly leaned into making her age part of her story of acceptance and success is like one of the many needles that are going to move and shift this conversation. I loved, loved, loved her speech. Agreed. And it was not just her. It's funny because I I made note of it because I want to do this morning's Meet Me in the Middle on that. And it was even Jennifer Coolidge talked about the gap between her early roles and when she finally sort of became a little bit more established much later in life. And then Michelle's counterpart in her movie, I forget the gentleman's name, but he too talked about being a child actor and having this huge gap before he finally was kind of seen and heard. And I thought it throughout the, the the Golden Globe conversation, if you will, it kept rearing its head. But yes, Michelle's was uh, particularly profound. I'm glad you bring that up. So you're not just a, a podcaster. Uh, it's not your full-time job. Tell us what else you do and why you decided to do this on the side. Yes. Yeah, so thank you for, for letting me talk a little bit about my, my day job. My day job is still telling people's stories, but in a different use case. I run a career branding and sort of professional branding consultancy called The Reboot Group. 
And I work with senior executives, small business owners, organizations, and teams to make people better at sharing their professional story. I do this primarily on LinkedIn. It's an incredible um, promotion, publishing, networking, and advocacy tool. But I also help people with things like website copy, professional bios, et cetera. And I came to this as an accidental entrepreneur. I've had a 25 plus year career in communications. I have a master's in broadcast journalism. I used to write the morning news here in New York at our, our biggest local news uh, station, uh, New York One. I work for CNN Financial News and I have worked for big and small PR firms. And so I've been telling stories for decades. I've been telling news stories and client stories and stories for publicity. And finally, I decided to narrow the, the focus and concentrate on one form of storytelling. And I was helping tell professional stories. And that actually is something I've been doing for about eight years. I continue to do it. It pays the bills. I also adore helping people advance in their career. It's really shining a spotlight on people's awesomeness is something that never gets old for me. I mm. I love helping people do that and, and do it well. My day job feeds a little bit into my, my podcasting job. I in my day job, I hear a steady drumbeat of fear around ageism from clients because I, I do typically get hired by more senior executives who have the, the money to invest in a strong uh, professional story. And everyone thinks they work in the most ageist industry. So if you're listening to this and you work in beauty or fashion or tech and you're thinking, you know, my industry is the most ageist, know that you're not alone. And, and as the people, as they advance in their career, it, it does become an issue. You know, ageism is real. We're not going to deny that. And it becomes a factor in how people feel that they can remain relevant and marketable. So after hearing this for a number of years, I finally woke up one day and said, you know, this is ridiculous and needs to change. I had a couple of conversations with two women who are just rock stars in their field. And they both shared with me the same week that they wanted to make sure that no one ever knew they were over 50. Hmm. And when that happened, I like almost fell out of my chair because one woman yeah. had two books at the time on the New York Times bestseller list. She writes young adult novels. And, you know, she said the young adult book industry is very ageist. No one can know I'm, you know, no one can know I'm 50. And I thought, you know, this is literally insane. This woman, you know, is at the peak of her career and you know, she should be proud of where she is and not not hiding her age. And so that's that's what really put me into action to start to have conversations with women who are aging out loud, who are aging publicly, who are reinventing, writing second, third, fourth, fifth chapters, who are knocking it out of the park and who are at the, you know, kind of, you know, the highest peak of their professional power and are helping other women make the most of midlife. And that was the genesis of the podcast. And it's been growing ever since because the idea of aging out loud of understanding that midlife is a time of opportunity is something that is, you know, resonant across a wide audience. Yeah, I think you and I talked about this when I was a guest on your show, but it is the time where we have the most resources, whether it's time or money or people that we know, you know, connections that we've made. It can be the most pressed time in our lives too, right? We are fully in that sort of sandwich generation. But I think 
that if we can approach it with, why am I abandoning now what I am kind of fully able to do and capable of doing for the first time, perhaps in my life? A, a lot of women are coming into that in a new way. And so the work you're doing, the podcast, uh, our podcast, what's happening in that midlife narrative, I hope is supporting women to start to rethink what this season of life could actually be. Well, Netta, you have these conversations all the time and you talk to women who are doing exactly the same thing my guests are. They are reinventing or they are, um, you know, just sort of powering ahead in a, in, a, in a more intentional, purposeful way. Yeah. What do you hear from your guests? Are you hearing that there is this confidence, you know, or are you hearing that there's a struggle? I think that there is fear, there is struggle, but they did it anyway. I think it's typical of, you know, uh, anybody that you interview or meet at the highest level, they're at the top of their game. It's rare that they say I was fearless and more that they say I conquered whatever was in front of me. I think for many of them, whether they articulate it or not, you get the sense that there was a dream unrealized. There was a thing unfulfilled. It's almost like they had to do it for themselves. Now, I may be projecting here because that's sort of how I feel, right? (laughs) I have to do this work. And it may be the case with you too, that when you continue to hear these stories from your clients, you felt the need to do something to move the needle by launching the podcast. So I think it's, it's not an abandoning of fear or that they've somehow wrestled with ageism and come out on the other side. I think it's more of a, I'm going to do it anyway, and have found success, freedom, liberty on the other end of that. But I I think that's a really, really good question that sort of people need to hear, that it's not that they came to it without fear or without reservation about their age. And circling back to what we just talked about with Michelle, this incredible actress who, you know, has had a 40-year career. You know, she got up on that stage and said, you know, guess what? People are trying to write me off too. So I think that anyone who's thinking to themselves, you know, I am too old to do these things or that that's fine for these other people, but it's not fine for me. I mean, look at this glamorous, gorgeous, you know, world renowned actress. And she shares, you know what? People are trying to write me off and and she's not letting them. And I think that's a big part of it. You know, the the people, women I feature on my show that you feature on your show that I that are sharing their stories over on Age Out Loud, they are not letting people write them off. You know, I feel like mindset can often be this very woo-woo kind of term that some people shy away from. But truly, as my favorite yoga teacher always says, if you think you can't, you're right. You know, and if you think you can, you know, we'll see, you know, it it remains to be seen. But that is the first step, is believing that it is possible to do become dream, you know, realize the goals that you, that, you know, become the woman you want to be. Absolutely. Our tagline on the website is consider your possibilities for that very reason. I think a lot of women have looked to their mother's generation to see what, what was possible. And it's a much more narrow uh, view of what midlife and beyond can look like. And I think people like Michelle, people who are doing the work that we're doing are showing that, showing, hey, here's what's possible. Listen to this story. And what does it mean for you? How does it inspire you to move forward in whatever your future story may be? Well, the, you just sort of sparked a, a thought in my mind, which is just about these sort of myths around aging that people have. And, you know, I think it's important to question our own biases that we have around aging, because I mm. think sometimes they are, 
you know, this sort of inner voice that let, that makes us think that things are not possible, you know, and when we, you know, we think reinvention is hard after a certain age, or you need to do it when you're younger, or a whole host of things. And so, you know, we need to do myth busting. You and I talked about this when you were a guest yeah. on my show, you know, anything is possible as long as you're realistic about how you get it done. Yeah. So you can, you can create your own um, way of, of realizing your dreams. And you just have to remind yourself that some of the myths, I mean, the myths that I busted on my show, I had a, a great researcher who came on an academic researcher into sex and love. And, and she told me that love and desire can last in long-term marriages. She's proven this scientifically by putting couples through brain scanners and looking mm. at MRIs with their regions light up. And I have to tell you, I'm married to my college, you know, boyfriend. And I was like, I kind of like bought into the myth. I'm like, this is never gonna, you know, you're yeah. told that things don't last, that like love, desire, affection falls apart. And who's telling us these things and why are we listening to them? I had another yeah. wonderful guest come on the show, this woman who is a psychologist. And she said, we should ask our thing, you know, when she started looking at midlife and Googling and trying to learn more about it, it was presented to her like a crisis, like a disaster, like something to be hidden. And she, she said, I asked myself, do I even believe this to be true? And the answer is no. So I think we swallow a lot of negative myths around aging that we really need to ask ourselves, do I believe these things to be true? Like, do I believe I can't do these things? Do I believe I'm less intelligent? desirable, sexy, smart, fun to be with? And, you know, the answer is no. I just invite any listener who's like lit up and who's listening to Netta's amazing podcast because you're here to be inspired and try new things. You know, ask yourself if there's something that's getting in the way of that. Like, do you truly believe that to be true or have you allowed yourself to be influenced by some of these negative messages that pop culture is continually giving us around yeah. what it means to become older? As you were talking, it sort of dawned on me, I got this image of, you know, when we when we abandon things, when we think that things can't work, our, you know, sexual desire for our partner, uh, a dream that we have, whatever it is, we literally put that thing in the corner and we, we've sort of stopped working on it. And if we continue to work and tinker and plug away whatever that thing was, develop the muscle that we need to go the distance, then all of a sudden, that thing becomes uh, a possibility and possibilities lead to realities. So I, I love what you said. And I get this image of somebody who is tinkering on an old car, right? It, it continues. And sure. I'm not saying we're old cars. I'm just saying it continues to, to, to run. It continues. Its beauty comes through like its uniqueness is able to come through versus when we abandon something, you know, that old tech, that old piece of tech or that old device that is sitting in the corner isn't getting any attention anymore. Of course, it's not going to work. Of course, it's not going to do the thing that it was intended to do. I needed to ask you as we were talking sure. about fulfillment and we were talking about why these women pursue these things. You talked about why you created the podcast, but what did doing the podcast fulfill in you that was different from your consulting work? Ooh, I love this. I would say two things. I, I launched the podcast in the early summer of 2020 during the pandemic, during probably everyone's weirdest year of their lives. And, yeah. you know, on a very practical, tactical way, um, launching the podcast allowed me to be reconnected with women in a way that our, you know, social distancing, you know, world of mm -hmm. only Zoom and virtual events had kind of evaporated. So I, I really just got like juice every week by having another conversation with an incredibly amazing woman. So for me, it was like a little bit selfish. Like I just got to 
I love hanging out in the company of amazing women and the podcast let me do that. What it fulfilled that was different from my day job as well is that it really, you know, my day job, as I've moved through midlife, as I've worked with more clients, as I've taken on greater challenges, you know, I initially just did simple LinkedIn engagements with individuals, but then I was, you know, invited into companies like Google and Dow Jones and American Express to lead big training sessions. You know, my professional confidence evolved in midlife through my day job, but the podcast really cemented for me something very important personally, which is that I am lit up and excited about what's coming for me next, what I'm Mm. creating. And I, I, I really hope that every person who tunes into my show, whether it's about, you know, aging parents or sandwich generation or, you know, your pelvic floor, midlife intimacy. I mean, you can learn a lot of great information, but what I hope they leave with every single episode is what I have, which is a sense of limitless possibility. And I love that that's a tagline of Liberty Road. (laughs) You know, I I hope that that's the big picture that they leave with because having these conversations has given that to me. Sure. Sure. And I think they do, because I think when they tune in, they're hearing things that either reinforce something they might believe, there's a little spark that they believe inside, or for the first time are hearing and now are sort of identifying with it. And it's creating hope and and possibility for them. We talked about the tinkering at something, the doing the work, the going the distance. You probably didn't come into the podcast thing knowing everything there is to know about technology and how to put a podcast (laughs) together. What kind of support did you need to put this together? And I asked this question very uh, specifically because I think our listeners often hear the end story. They hear the accomplishment, the success, and they don't get to hear the hard stuff and how we got there and how we didn't know what we were doing and we had to figure out how to do it, find other people who knew what they were doing. So I wanted to know a little bit about how that came to be for you. I love this question. So first of all, when I started podcasting, I knew like next to nothing about podcasting. I was a big fan of um, NPR's How I Built This. Like that was yeah. my, you know, yeah. <laughs> that was my exposure to podcasting was like listening to Guy Raz, like, knock it out of the park. Right. I, you know, hit the Google. I joke about Google all the time. I think that most of what we want is on the other side of a very smart Google search. You can teach yourself almost anything. So if you're listening to something and thinking, I want to know more about X, you know, go Google it. And I did. And I, learned a little bit about what the basics were that I needed to know to get up and running. You know, I got things like uh, I went to Squarespace and got a domain name. You know, I kind of poked around. I, through my day job, get exposed to a lot of really interesting thinkers and and people across a, a range of businesses. I had happened to be connected to a woman who was a podcasting expert. She yeah. launched um, 12 podcasts for Forbes magazine we did a trade. I said, I will spend an hour with you talking about LinkedIn and how to be incredible on it. If you will share with me, you know, what you think I need to know to get started with podcasting. So, you know, one of the amazing things about women is that we're great. You know, I don't want to use the network, the word networkers, because that sounds yeah. very transactional, but like, we're, we're great about looking, you know, having rich mm-hmm. social networks and knowing a lot of people and being helpful. So if you want something, you know, ask somebody who's been before you for a little bit of advice and and maybe do a trade. So that's another thing. And on a very practical, tactical term, I threw some money at it. You know, I have started many things in my lives, like I'm sure all your listeners have that I abandoned, you know, on January 12th. And I didn't want this podcast to be one of them. So I created a situation for myself where I was going to have to keep going. I 
paid a, a sound engineer and an editor, you know, to record like six shows. And then I told every single person who stood too close to me during the pandemic, you know, who was like at five feet instead of six feet, that I was launching a podcast. Because when you make yourself publicly accountable, you know, you know what happens. You have to keep going. If you're like secretly trying to lose weight or meet like a, like a boyfriend and you're just like keeping that to yourself, no one's helping you. But if you tell everyone you know that you're like on the market, people then introduce you to people. So I told everyone I knew I did you know, I reached out to everyone on my Facebook and my Instagram and my, you know, my email list. And I said, I've launched a show. I'd love if you would follow it. I'd love if you'd help spread the word. And that kind of got the engines running. So, you know, and I think the principles of what I just shared can be applied to anything that any one of your listeners wants, which is, you know, ask for help from people who are smarter than you. Do a lot of homework via the Google and books. And then, um, really make yourself accountable in some way that's going to work for you, whatever that is, just telling a buddy, you know, telling the world, putting a little skin in the game, like yeah. making sure you follow through because I like didn't want to waste this money that I spent. Sure. And I like that when you asked this woman for help, it was a, I'm going to get, but I'm going to yeah, give it was a trade. also. Yeah. I think that's really important and something that we've talked about quite a bit here that make sure you're going into those uh, relationships willing to give something. I also like the accountability piece. I think you're right. We let ourselves off the hook by not making things a little bit more public, whether that's to a few friends or to everybody that's five feet from you <laughs> during the pandemic, which you didn't we want hope to be that's not the case. <laughs> exactly. We're so happy those days are over. Yes, you know, we are so happy good. those days are over. You're kind of one of the pioneers in this space who are talking about midlife, bringing conversations about midlife to the forefront. What have you seen since you began your podcast that shifted? This is a fantastic question. There are so many women and men that are having conversations in this space. I, I see it increasing and I'm delighted. You know, like a rising tide lifts all boats. The more people that are beating the drum about, you know, midlife is not to be feared. There's an opportunity. Aging is something that's incredibly normal. That's really happening. What, what I have seen is, I guess I would say two things. There are more brands serving the space, mm -hmm. which I think is fantastic. Unfortunately, you know, money talks. And the more brands that are, you know, working to serve menopausal women with things like, you know, for, for the effects of menopause, dry vagina, dry skin, you know, thinning hair, things that can affect your body as your hormones fluctuate. So there's been some negative press around it. Like there's a menopause gold rush. I don't look at it like that. I look at it as like brands are in the space trying to help women with the challenges that they're having that have been for too long ignored. Yeah. There are also wonderful services. There's more access to doctors that are menopause specialists. We talked about maybe it was about how, you know, women, they were overlooked as a consumer and yeah. people are seeing that. So I think that's great because the more people see that there's an opportunity, that sort of knock-on effect is going to be greater. There'll be more public information and education about that. So brands in the space are a good thing. And then two, I would say that there has been a lot of big trade, big, big um, consumer media interest in this space. Mm -hmm. There was that New York Times article, I think it was, about the yeah. menopause gold rush. It featured Gwyneth Paltrow dipped in gold on her 50th birthday. 
you know, I mean, people were upset about that. I thought that was sort of silly. It's like, you know, people can be dipped in gold and, and do what they want to celebrate their birthday. We're delighted that people are paying more attention. You see a lot of other big celebrities that are talking about aging. Naomi Watts has been very vocal mm-hmm. about her menopause experience. We saw Michelle on the stage last night sharing I'm 60 and hey, you know, it doesn't mean things are over. You know, the more that we see these sort of household names having this conversation, it's going to start to normalize it. And which is terrific because, you know, for, for many of your listeners, I'm sure they, they cross age ranges, but menopause simply means you haven't gotten your period for a year. What yeah. people really need to be paying attention to is perimenopause, which is something that can yes. happen for three to seven years and sometimes 10 years before yeah. you enter menopause. And so there is not enough information about that, not enough of your doctors that, you, that you're trusting your wellness to are educated in menopause care. There's so many interventions that you can be doing to care for your body, for your bones. You know, osteoporosis is one of the leading causes of, you know, yeah. the leading challenges that women face after they go through menopause. And there's not enough conversation around that. So the more that people know about how they should be taking care of their health, before they hit this magical number of 50, before they hit menopause, the better. And I'm delighted to see those conversations changing. 100% everything you're saying. Um, And there are conversations that our mothers weren't having with us because our mothers didn't have access to them. I mean, when I ask my mom now about menopause, she either does not remember or she's somehow like sugar-coated what that memory was. Right. So we have to lean on each other and the experts in the space. I also think you're absolutely right about media and how they're shifting and they're not just featuring us holding a Swiffer sweeper or taking prescription meds, right? It's right. like there's more to us and we're the, right. the deep pockets. We're the major consumer group in this country. So they should be 100%. paying attention to us. So hopefully those... All those things will see a little bit of a domino effect. I'm glad to see that there's a shift in our specific demographic. I'm hoping that shift will be recognized and the education around it can be given to the generation below us so that they don't have to, to your point, like wonder, am I in Perry or what am I supposed to do with this hormone fluctuation that it's something that they're expected to know about and when when they see it, they know they know what it is. They can identify it when they see it coming. And, and most importantly, know that they can get help because I yes. have had female urologists on my show. And I, I asked this urologist, you know, stuff like I thought that you would have like incontinence, bladder leaks, all of these things were something that just actually happened and were natural as you aged. And she corrected me. She said, none of that stuff should be happening. If you're experiencing any of these symptoms, you need to be working with a doctor. And I said, how, like, when do people come to you? And she said, usually seven to 10 years too late. People will suffer for problems with a deck for a decade because they just assume like that's the way it is. is. Yeah, that's We fall apart as we age. And for anyone listening to the show, if you are experiencing any symptoms, like pelvic floor issues, any dry vagina, painful intercourse, there's a whole host of things that can happen. If you're experiencing any of those things, help is 100% out there full stop. And, and I would say, you know, I would encourage people to go check out a wonderful organization that I had on my show called Let's Talk Menopause. It's a menopause nonprofit advocacy group. They have a list of th- the 34 symptoms of menopause. It's a checklist. They have a ton of great information. They focus a lot on women's heart health, which is the biggest killer of women, which is impacted by menopause. They focus on osteoporosis, which is, you know, um, something that impacts women um, disproportionately to men. 
And they, they recognize that, that the more you know, the better you can take care of yourself. Because unfortunately, the American healthcare system is not taking care of you. So yeah. you, need to, you need to be smart and take care of yourself. And I was uh, surprised to hear how many of our OBGYNs don't have sort of a menopause like education, like they're not certified in this. It's shocking. Yeah. And so for myself, shifted to find somebody who had that because I thought, well, this is ridiculous. This is precisely what I need. And sadly, had two friends, two different friends who, when they went to a doctor with some symptoms, it was... Uh, too late sort sometimes. Of, well, it was too late, but it was also dismissed as these things that you're feeling, these things that you're experiencing, it's probably just menopause. And it wasn't um, in both cases. So having people who really understand what that means and don't dismiss whatever, you know, whatever we're going through, given our age, the age that we've stepped into as menopause, I think is just as important as having people who really can identify how to deal with those things or how to treat those symptoms of menopause. Thank yes. you for sharing all that. It's nice It's nice to see that in the two years that you've been at it, going on three now, right? You started yes. early pandemic. I started my third. Yeah, that you've seen this kind of shift. It's a big shift. And I can only imagine where we'll be three years from now. People often say uh, to me personally, and when I was consulting, I heard this a lot, but it was sort of this idea of it's too late. You referred to Michelle's speech last night. What do you say? Uh, what do you want that woman to hear or to hold on to as she listens to you now in this podcast about the possibilities that await her? This is such a great question. It's a hard one to answer because everyone's got different um, circumstances where they're working. You know, ageism does exist in, the, in a corporate workplace. You can try to mitigate against it by understanding some of the biases that, that are against you. Maybe you're too expensive. You're not technologically mm -hmm. adept. You, you don't work well with across generations. No one's ever going to tell you they think you're too old to your face, sure. but they might think sure. it. So if you can educate yourself about the myths or the, the sort of biases around aging, you can work to mitigate against those. So that's something you could do if you're job hunting in midlife, if you're looking to stay relevant and marketable in your existing organization. Uh, I would also say, you know, it's smart to be realistic. There's a reason why uh, the, the rates of entrepreneurship are very high. As, as people get older, they're bringing a lot of experience to the table and they might be very smartly creating their own off-ramp, mm. you know, into a, a place where they are their own boss. And so I would say consider those opportunities. Uh, I, I truly believe it's never too late to try something new, but we might need to be realistic about it. Now, you gave a great example on my show, which, you know, we talked about how we love to say you're never too old and it's never too late. But if you do want to climb Mount Everest, you got to break it down into baby steps and like yeah. make sure that you're fit, that you've got the, the gear, that you can afford to fly yourself there, et cetera. So I would say, yes, you can do what you want to do, but you might need to um, modify it slightly to make it realistic in your current life. Yeah. You know, you're not maybe moving to Egypt to become a foreign correspondent, but maybe you're writing travel blog posts. You know, yeah. I mean, figure out what you want to do and figure out a way to make it realistic. If you are afraid that it's too late for you to do things, I would truly encourage you to spend some time going through Netta's back catalog. I would encourage you to look at my episodes and see proof of women who are 
totally making it happen at different ages. That, that researcher that I talked about who proved that you can remain attracted to somebody through long-term marriages got married at the age of 73. You know, so she wow. she fell in love. The New York Times did this wonderful, big, splashy uh, write-up on it because she is a Match.com's chief science officer. You know, so you're never too old and it's never too late to do the things that truly matter to you. Yeah, I think, you know, when we talk about being realistic, I think people can feel um, that we're sort of bursting the bubble on their dream. And I think there's two things to keep in mind when we talk about being realistic. One, when you achieve those realistic goals, you're actually set up for what's next. You feel emboldened, you feel more powerful, you've learned in that process and you can take that next step. So it doesn't necessarily mean that by being realistic, that's the end of that dream. It's just the next step. I also think that when we think about sort of big dreams, if you really listen to the stories of people who've accomplished huge things, you will hear in those stories all sorts of anecdotes around pivots and shifts and you know rethinking their steps and going back and starting smaller. Very rarely did they announce that they were gonna do this huge thing and accomplish that huge thing in 365 days. So I think you can, you can still dream big. You can still want to accomplish a lot. And being realistic is just those first few steps so you can get some successes under your belt. I, I love that. Important for people to hear. Okay. So we got to get to our fast five. Um, thank you for sharing all of that. You are a light in this space and um, oh, I'm excited. You. No, it's true. You um, are shedding a light on other people. You're bringing, I think, hope into this space in a very practical way. It's more than just, you know, woo woo and we can do it. You're telling <laughs> stories of people who are doing it and offering advice along the way. And so want to encourage you and encourage our listeners to tune in because I think, you know, kind of together we can. Absolutely. All of us, this collective you, voice is important. We got to get to our fast five and Let's ask you it. a few questions. <laughs> so please share a favorite hack or practice that you think our listeners over 40 should be doing or something that you've been doing that you really love the last few years. You know, I would say um, Bikram yoga. I, and I don't, not everyone wants to be hot and sweaty, but or any kind of yoga. I really feel like on days that I do yoga, I am nicer to everyone that I live with and I'm nicer to myself. So I would say find whatever works for you, make that happen. And I have gotten very, very religious about calendaring. You know, mm -hmm. I used to sort of be like a fly by the seat of my pants, but mm -hmm. I have a digital calendar that I am committed to. And I have a very large oversized paper calendar that I use from um, paper source. And it just allows me to visually color code everything that happens with the podcast. Recording dates have one color, the dates that, that they air have another, the sponsors have a different. So I truly believe that, you know, planning is so not sexy and no yeah. one wants to get lit up about it, but I, I really, for me, it's made a difference. I'm twinning with you on the on the large <laughs> oversized calendar from Paper Source. Yeah. We probably have the same one. And yeah. then what's a book that you recommend to your girlfriend? Something that really has um, kind of affected, impacted, touched you for the over 40 crowd? I can't even answer that because I have read, I, I had 21 authors on the show last year alone. Mm. So I've read so many inspiring books. Um, Something that I'm recommending lately, I read Wendy mm -hmm. Aaron's very hilarious memoir, which is called I'm Wearing Tunics Now. It was super fun. Yes. If you're Gen X particularly, it's hysterical and she's a total delight. But um, 
A book that I recommend to many people across many generations is something called Designing Your Life, written by two Stanford professors. Mm-hmm. And they take the principles of design thinking, you know, mm-hmm. like which is fail fast, mm-hmm. fail quickly, you know, iterate, et cetera. And they use it to apply to your life across different inflection points. You know, maybe when you're at a college, maybe when you're pivoting, maybe when you want to reinvent or find purpose. And I I think it's a really smart, well-organized, useful book. Okay, that's a great recommendation, especially as we're kicking off this new year. What's one piece of advice that you give to friends, clients about starting a new venture? Ooh, this is a good one. So... This is going to sound so cheesy, but it's like, just do it, you know, just do it. Like, just get started, like literally get started and do it. Register the domain name, get going, don't overthink it, you know, done is better than perfect. Get going. And the answers you find along the way, they're rarely something that you can anticipate in advance anyway. So I love that. And also outsource, you know, hire people to do things that you're not good at so you can focus on higher um, energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ROI. And then if you're mentor, if you were mentoring your younger self, you're the 20, 30 year old Katie, um, what (laughs) would you tell her about midlife? What do you want her to know? Okay. So it's just a story just popped into mind. I worked years ago at New York One News. I used to write the morning news. And at the end of my year there, they asked if I wanted to go on camera. And I said, no, because I just felt like I can't do that. That's for other people. I would never be good at that. I, I like to be behind the scenes. And I would tell my midlife self, you know, you don't just always get one crack of the apple, Mm. you know, and that you, you can, you will be, you know, well, I'm on a Riverside Zoom screen, but you know, you yeah. will be, you will be a front person at some point, you will be creating your own show, you'll be doing your own thing. So sometimes I think that we think we like let opportunities slide by us, and they're never going to come again. And I would say that you get getting to midlife teaches you that you can create some of your own magic and that there's not always just, you haven't missed a boat. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I have to just, uh, this is not uh, in keeping with the fast five, but I have to ask something. Do you, when you look back at that, what could have been seen as a missed opportunity, do you see it as that? Or do you see it as I'm now prepared in a way that I wasn't prepared back then? Totally. I feel like I'm prepared now and interested in the opportunity. I I don't see it as a missed opportunity. I, I have very few regrets uh, in my life. Like I just, maybe it's just sort of the way I'm wired. I like tend to look forward instead of backwards. And I've gotten better at that as I, as I age. I like let, you know, I, I let things go much more easily. So I, I don't see this as a missed opportunity. I 100% feel like it took getting to midlife to recognize that that was something that not just that I could do, but that I wanted to do. Yeah, that's a mental health hack right there is letting go of a lot of those things we can't, we can't do anything about there in the past. Yeah. And how has launching and running uh, a certain age podcast uh, liberated you? Oh my gosh, this is such a great question. And I need to go back your entire back catalog and listen to everyone's answers to this because I'm <laughs> sure everyone's got different, like fascinating different things. It's, yeah. I think it's liberated me from some of these biases that I didn't realize that I had consciously absorbed from, from culture mm-hmm. about what it means to become older, to, to get to midlife, to look at you know, the, the shorter runway and getting, uh, doing this podcast, talking to women every day. My youngest guest was 32. My oldest was 73, as I said, has truly 
affecting me on a cellular level that I am excited and feel limitless when I look look ahead. I, I truly believe that I can do what I want to be doing in this this next chapter of my life. So I think it's liberated me from just sort of negative, negative misconceptions around aging. It's like really cracked that wide open for me. Well, what has been cracked open for you has been a gift to all of us. So thank you. Truly, thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for being a guest on my podcast. Oh my gosh, I loved this so much. It was was so fun. We had such a great conversation when you were on mine. I knew I was going to have such a treat treat today. No, you're so much fun to spend time with. And so thanks, Katie. I feel the same. I I, um, wish we could be on the same coast and actually grab a cup of coffee. It'll happen soon. (laughs) It'll happen soon. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for taking this time. And Liberty listeners, thank you. Thanks for hanging out with Katie. Thanks for hanging out with me. We hope that you've learned something that will kick off your year and help you consider your own possibilities. Bye. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flowers.